Acts chapter 7. Love word of prayer, and then we'll get started. People will probably trickle in. Half, half of my youth group isn't here yet, so actually like 95% of my youth group isn't here, so they'll trickle in. But let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll get started. God, thank you so much for this day that you gave us. Thank you for this time that we have together to look at your word. Pray that you help us to be attentive over the next several minutes. Pray that we would uh, be open to your teaching, that you'd, uh, Lord, speak to our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Acts chapter 7, we're going to read. We're going to read through a lot of verses uh, throughout today, but we'll break them up. Um, every, I don't do this every year, but this is, so this is the last Sunday of 2023, right? The last day of 2023. Tomorrow is 2024. And I like to, with the youth group typically, give a reminder each year and it's not always the same lesson, but this is a lesson that I, that I had put together probably five years ago um, when talking about just a good reminder for our coming year, right? Um, who we are in Jesus Christ, who we are as children of God, who we are as Christians. And I like to look at the life of Moses, and that's who, who we're going to look at today. We'll look at his life out of the book of Acts. We'll go back to Exodus uh, and, and, and we'll look at a couple other verses. But as we think about, as we think about the new year coming up, and, and as we look back at the year that we just had, and really the past several years in our, in our, our country and our culture, the big topic going around is identity. The big topic is, well, not just like, identifying, but identity altogether. People like to have something to place their identity in, whether it's a subcultural group um, or whether it's like a sports team, whether it's, it could, it could even get, you know, especially today, it's more skewed by placing identity in who they fe how they feel about themselves, um, who they're attracted to. People place their identity in their nationality. They place it in their sexuality. People place their identity in their careers. But we need, to we need to be reminded, right, as we think about this, God knows who, who we are. It's, it's important for us that we place our identity in Jesus Christ. And even as believers, if we've been believers for any period of time, this is an important reminder for us as we face this new year. Our identity is found in Jesus Christ, and God has a special calling that's unique to each and every one of us. God knows you. He's given you gifts. He's given you a calling. He expects you to act on your calling, but also he's the one who will qualify you for your calling. So let's look at Acts chapter 7. We've already prayed. Let's look at Acts chapter 7. We'll look at verses 17 through 21 to start off. Acts 7, 17 through 21, the Bible says this. But when the time of promise, and we know the background to this, this is Stephen, right? Stephen is standing before, um, I, I don't know if he's uh, standing before the, the Sanhedrin at this moment, but he's standing, he's, being, he's on trial for being a follower of Jesus, and he's preaching about Jesus, and the Pharisees wanted nothing to do with it. And Stephen is giving them this whole background from the Old Testament all the way up to Jesus, basically saying, hey, this is who our fathers spoke about. This Jesus is what all the Old Testament was pointing to. So he says in Acts chapter 7, verse 17, 
But when the time of promise drew nigh, which God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt till another king arose, which knew not Joseph. This same dealt subtly with our kindred and evil entreated our fathers so that they cast out their young children to the end they might not live. In which time Moses was born and was exceeding fair and nourished up in his father's house three months. And when he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nourished him for her own son. The first truth I want to be reminded of this morning is that God knows you. God knows me. God knows, as we think about Moses, Moses is born during this time when all of the uh, the Israel, uh, the, the Jewish, the Israeli babies were commanded to be killed at birth, all the, the, the male babies that were born. God knew that Moses was going to be born during that time, right? God knows you. God knows where you are. He knows what you face. He knows the difficulties that you face. Jeremiah 1 verse 5 tells us, and this is God speaking to Jeremiah for his calling, but he says, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Such a great truth. Even though he's specifically speaking to Jeremiah, it's true for each and every one of us. Before God formed us, he knew us. He knew that we were going to be born. He knew when we were going to be born. And he knew the purpose that he was going to call us to. Again, God knew that Moses is going to be born during a time when all male babies were commanded to be killed. Nothing that we face is out of God's control. No difficulty, no trial, no personal experience that we face is outside of God's control because God knows you. He knows the circumstances. Not, not just the fact that God intimately knows you and knows what you're going to face, but God has known that you would be his child. He's known that you would be his child. Romans 8.29 who he did foreknow, he also did predestine to be conformed to the image of his son. God knew, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, God knew that there would be a time when you would put your faith and trust in Jesus. He knew that you would be his child. Just because God knows us, though, doesn't necessarily mean that we know him, right? Because God knows every single person. He knows every decision that every single person is going to make. And while God knows everyone, it doesn't necessarily mean that you know God. Unless you have personally come to a point in your life when you've realized that you're a sinner, that you need Jesus, and you put your trust and your faith in Him. If you're putting your trust in anything other than Christ alone, then you don't know God. While He knows who you are, you don't know Him. We're reminded in Ephesians 2, 8-9 that it's by grace that we're saved through faith, not of ourselves. It's the gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. God knows each and every person. And if you're a believer, it's, it's so important for us to understand. Sometimes we, I know me personally, sometimes I lose this in kind of like the, the cosmos of life here and everything that's going on. But God intimately knows you. And God knows that you will be his child. He knew that that decision was going to come in your life. 
He knows every situation you face, every trial, every difficulty, every good time and every bad time. And he's there to walk with you through every single situation. And as we get started this morning, we think of Moses. Moses, the Bible says that the, the verse number 17 in Acts chapter 7, when the time of promise drew nigh, that God had promised to Abraham. God told Abraham that his children were going to have a land to dwell in and that his seed was going to be blessed. Now they find themselves in slavery. They find themselves enslaved to, the, to, to Egypt. And now the time of promise is about to draw nigh, or is drawing nigh, and God has a plan, and he uses Moses in that plan. Moses, though, has always kind of been like interesting to me because as you look back in Exodus and you talk about Moses, right? You see Moses, and Moses starts off, well, he's born, and he's hidden, and then when they can't hide him anymore, when his parents can't hide him anymore, they make the decision to place this in God's hands. They build a little tiny boat for him and put him in the river, a river that's full of crocodiles, right? Like, this isn't like the Hoosick. Well, you wouldn't want to put anything in the Hoosick. But this isn't the, we'll go to the Deerfield. That's one of our cleaner rivers. This isn't the Deerfield where there's like some trout floating around and you got to worry about the dam release. No, it's, this is the Nile River where there's crocodiles, large crocodiles. And they just put their baby in the basket in the river, trusting that God is going to do something with him because they knew that they couldn't kill their child. And we've, we see that Moses floats down the river, and who finds him? This is a time for you to speak. Who finds him? Pharaoh's daughter. Yeah, you guys remember. Good. Pharaoh's daughter finds him and takes him up and names him Moses. But he, she says, this is, one of the, this is one of the Israeli babies. This, is, this isn't one of our babies. Like We wouldn't put our babies in a river. This is, this is one of the Israeli babies. So... She takes that child, Moses, and raises him as her own. God knew that all of this was going to happen. Right? This is all part of God's plan. Moses grows up in the court of Pharaoh. Um, he, I, I'm, I have, like, I have to, it's undiagnosed, but I have to have ADHD because my mind is like, what is that movie? Is it Prince of Egypt? My mind is, have you seen Prince of Egypt? Has anybody seen Prince of Egypt? Oh my goodness. You haven't seen Prince of Egypt? It's like probably 25 years old. It's a DreamWorks movie. It is not really accurate biblically at all, but it's just, it's got a great soundtrack. It's really great. Um, but anyway, I, I, my mind is like drawing to pictures from that movie. Moving on. So, um, I've got to, okay, back to where we were. So Moses is growing up in the court of Pharaoh, right? He, he's being raised by Pharaoh's daughter. And... There's no better place, like, for anybody to be. Like, you're in the king's palace growing up. You get all the best education. And Moses makes a name for himself. And we're going to find out about that here um, at, at, uh, a little bit further on. But we're going to read a, a verse that says that mighty, uh, Moses was mighty in word and in deed. Yet, yeah, as Moses now, we know the story, he, he murders the Egyptian. He's found out. And then he runs to the backside of the desert and spends the next 40 years of his life there. 
And when God comes to speak to him, he tells God that he's, he has a hard time speaking. But it was an excuse that Moses had come up with because Moses is identified already as somebody who is mighty in word and in deed. I'm getting ahead of myself. So God knows you. God knows me. That's, as we enter into 2024, maybe that's one of the most powerful truths that we can hold on to and remember. As children of God, God knows you. He knows everything you're going to face in 2024. He knows everything you faced in 2023. But secondly, God has given me gifts. God has given you gifts. In verse number 22, Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deeds. He was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deeds. Moses was a man that was gifted. He, first of all, is gifted by God specifically, but God allows him to be raised in the house of Pharaoh, as we mentioned, and to be taught in all the ways of the Egyptians. Now, the Egyptians were pagan, had a pagan culture, obviously, and worshipped any number of gods. Basically, if there was something that they couldn't explain, it was a god. They worshipped the Nile River. They worshipped, I mean, that's just like, they, they, they worshipped a river. Like, that's weird. They worshipped lots of, basically, all of these deities that they just came up with. Moses is raised in this culture, but he's not so much like this culture as we see. You know, he, he, he sees his brothers and sisters in bondage and he, he acts on it. But God has given, just like God gives Moses gifts, and we see his gifts, he's, he's mighty in words and in deeds. God has given each and every one of us gifts. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 8, we're reminded that when, when he, when Jesus ascended up on high, he gave gifts unto men. So we have Moses now. We see Moses, this highly intelligent a gifted speaker, a natural-born leader, raised not to be the next Pharaoh because he did, wasn't of the same bloodline, but raised next to somebody who was going to be the next Pharaoh. Highly intelligent, gifted, and now he faces, he's going to end up facing this dilemma with his identity coming up. And just like, just as everybody is given gifts, everybody has been blessed with gifts by God, not everybody uses their gifts, right? We all know people who are highly gifted at something. We thank God that we have people who are gifted at, in leadership here. We have people who are gifted uh, in musical abilities. We have people who are gifted in um, communicating the word of God. And all of those people they utilize their gifts for the kingdom. But we do know, we see people with potential who waste that potential. We see people who are giving gifts who are wasting those gifts, those talents that God has given them. 1 Corinthians 10.31, the Bible tells us that whether we eat or drink or whatsoever we do, do it all to the glory of God, right? God has gifted and talented each individual person differently it is our responsibility to use those for his glory. It's our responsibility to use those in his service. Those who don't know God, their gifts are wasted. Their gifts are wasted. I think of, you know, it's, 
there's nothing wrong with entertainment, right? There's nothing, well, there, there are, let me clarify that. There, there's different types of entertainment, right? So there's, I, I classify it three different ways, and this is not original with me, but there's, there's Christian entertainment, there's non-Christian, there's um, uh, secular, I don't want to say non-Christian. Yeah, we'll say non-Christian. So it's, it's not against God, but it's not for God specifically. Like it's not, um, um, it's not specifically about God, right? Um, and then there's anti-Christian entertainment. That, that is something that completely goes against God, right? And so there are secular musicians and singers, Right? Some would be classified as non-Christian who don't preach or sing, a, sing everything they do is preaching, but they don't sing something that's a bad message, but it's just good to listen to. Right? And there are Christians who are involved in non-Christian entertainment. Okay? It's not bad. There's not, nothing wrong about that. But then there are multiple people who are talented, multiple people who have these great gifts of, of, of whether it's music or whether it's abilities to act, whether it's abilities to, to portray somebody else, and they use them for anti-Christian purposes. That would be a waste of a gift. That would be God giving somebody something to use ultimately for his honor and for his glory. And it's wasted. Those Christians who, who, who um, participate or who are active in like the non-Christian realm of entertainment Often when, you, when these people are interviewed, they talk about the fact that they, they're Christians using their gifts, and their goal is to honor and glorify God with their gifts, and they're hoping to reach as many people as possible. And while their message may not necessarily be you know, con constantly Christian in like, like proclaiming the gospel and everything that they do, they can use their music, their entertainment as a draw for people and then share the gospel. And many of them do that. Many of them do that. Not saying that that is ultimately like the high goal, right? But we see people who waste their talent and waste the gifts that God has given them. Not every person uses their gifts. Think back to, um, think back to uh, even um, classical music. Classical music, a lot, of, um, a lot of classical music would be used, like the, when it was originally composed, the music was written to honor and to glorify God, right? However, classical songs don't have words, right? It's just music that you're listening to. And there are classical songs with words too, but a secular person can listen to that music and not be drawn to God by it. You understand what I'm saying? I'm just trying to explain the difference here a little, a little further. A secular person can listen to that music, and they're not necessarily going to be drawn to God by listening to that music. However, a Christian, when they listen to that music, I am, a, I am typically drawn to God by that music because of the fact that, well, this is a gift that God has given people. I don't remember who said it. Um, but when I was taking guitar lessons, Mr. Thompson, uh, it was in his the guitar book that I was using. And it was either, it, it was either Bach or it was, um, oh, I don't remember who said it. But the, the quote was, the purpose of all, the, intent, the intention of all music is to glorify God. Do you remember who said that? 
<laughs> well, you told it to me. I forgot who it was. Um, it's one of those famous dead people. So, um, but anyway, anyway, the the purpose I'm trying to use, and this is not necessary. This is not a, a, a lesson on entertainment. Sometimes I get kind of drawn away because I deal with teenagers, right? And they are their lives are full of entertainment. The, the purpose of this is we are all given gifts by God. We need to use those gifts accordingly. Whether it's the ability to speak clearly, whether it's the ability to lead, whatever gift God has given us, we need to use that ability to his glory. God gave Moses gifts. He was mighty in word and in deed. Then not only does God know me, not only has God given me gifts, God has given me a calling. He's given each and every one of us a calling. Acts chapter 7, verses 23 to 24. When he was full 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian. For he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them. But they understood not. And the next day he showed himself unto them as they strove and would have set them at one again, saying, Sirs, you are brothers. Why, why do you wrong one to another? But he that did his neighbor wrong thrust him away, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge over us? Wilt thou kill me as thou didst the Egyptian yesterday? Then fled Moses at this saying, and was a stranger in the land of Midian, where he begat two sons. And when 40 years were expired, there appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai an angel of the Lord in a flame of fire in a bush. When Moses saw it, he wondered at the sight. And as he drew near to behold it, the voice of the Lord came unto him, saying, I am the God of thy fathers, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses trembled, and durst not behold. Then said the Lord to him, Put off thy shoes from thy feet, for the place where thou standest is holy ground. I have seen, I have seen the affliction of my people, which is in Egypt, and I have heard their groaning, and am come down to deliver them. And now, come, I will send thee into Egypt. God has given each and every one of us a unique calling for our own lives. He has given each and every one of us a unique calling. God calls Moses to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. He called him to stand up to the most powerful man in the world. At this time, it is most likely mo the, a, a person that Moses was raised with. We're talking about 80 years now after Moses was born. It is very likely that Pharaoh's daughter's son, so Pharaoh's granddaughter at the time Moses is born, is now the Pharaoh. This would be someone that Moses was raised with as a brother. It's very likely. Now, Moses is commanded to go stand before him and command, demand, that he let God's people go. That is Moses' calling. Moses' calling from God was to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. That wasn't anybody else's calling. You understand that? Nobody else was called to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. It was Moses' calling. You have a unique calling for yourself. My calling is not the same as your calling. Your calling is not the same as my calling. 
Every individual has a calling that is unique to them. And one person's calling is not more special than another. One person's calling is not more special than another. Because if God has called you to it, then that is the most special calling that could ever be. If God has called you to be a teacher, then it's the most important job that you can do. If God has called you into full-time Christian ministry, whether it's as a pastor or as maybe a Christian school teacher or a missionary, then there's nothing greater that you can do. If God has called you into the business world, then there's nothing greater that you can do. If God has called you into a trade, whether it be a plumber or a carpenter, then there's nothing more important for you to do than what God has called you to do. And the list can go on. Whatever it is that God has specifically called you to, that is the most important thing for you to do. There's nothing, there's no calling that's more special than another. Each calling, each of us, the Bible tells us in the New Testament, that we are all members of one body, and we're supposed to not just use our talents in the secular world for our jobs, but we're to come together and use them together in the church. We're to use them together as a local body. And there's not one more calling that's special than the other. Paul reminds us. He says, can the foot say to the hand, I want to be the hand? No, the, the foot is the foot. The foot's there to has a purpose. The hand is there to have a purpose. Each of us have, have a unique calling, not just outside in the secular world, but also here in our local assembly as, as a church. And our mission is to work together, right? Grow God, uh, uh, love God. What, what, is our, what is our mission statement? <laughs> love God, serve others, grow together, right? So we love God. We love that individually, but we also love that corporately as a church. We love God corporately together as a church. We grow together as a church, and we come together and we serve others. We go out and we tell others about Jesus Christ. We go and we tell others that he is the only hope. We come together, we help one another in time of need. Each of us has a unique calling that's not more special than anybody else's, but they're to work together. Moses has this unique calling, right? And it is to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. That is what God had designed him to do. That was his purpose. Don't ever think that your calling is less significant than somebody else's. God will prepare me for his call. Acts chapter 7, verse 29. Nope, that is not right. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Acts 7, verse 29. Then fled Moses at this saying. What saying? Well, it's when he's found out for killing the Egyptian. In then fled Moses at this saying, the saying is, Will you kill me as thou didst the Egyptian yesterday? And he was a stranger in the land of Midian, where he begat two sons. We're going to look back at Exodus chapter 3, verses 11 through 15. Exodus 3, 11 through 15. Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? We'll look at the, the other verses here shortly. I believe, through reading the Bible and reading the different accounts of, of Moses, 
that Moses knew when he was 40 years old, when he killed that Egyptian, I believe that Moses knew that God was calling him to lead his brothers and sisters in Israel out of Egypt. I truly believe that he knew that that's what God wanted him to do. But he was impatient. He took matters into his own hands. And he wasn't waiting on God's timing. He wasn't prepared for what God wanted him to do. He was at a point in his life where he was full of pride, resting in his own strength, resting on his own abilities, his own intellect. And he took matters into his own hands. We have to understand, for the unique call that God has given us, you're not qualified for it. You're alone. You alone, you're not prepared for it. You can't do it in your own strength and your own power. If you feel that you are qualified to do what God has called you to do, then most likely you will fail if you try to do it in your own power and your own strength. Philippians chapter 3, verse 4. Paul says, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. And then Paul goes through this list of his qualifications that he's had. Basically, he says, Listen, as Jewish as you could be, I was. Circumcised the eighth day of the tribe of Benjamin, of the stock of Israel. He says, he goes on to say, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I was as qualified a Jew as you could be, he says, basically. I couldn't do it with my own strength and my own power. I couldn't have confidence in my own flesh. Moses tried his own way first, we read in verse 23 to 29. He sees one of them suffer wrong and he defends them. And this is why I believe that he thought, that, that he knew God's calling on his life. Verse 25, he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them. But they understood not. He wasn't ready to do what God had called him to do. God was not done preparing him. Because only God can prepare you for his calling. Philippians 2.13, it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. God ends up taking Moses to the middle of nowhere for 40 years in the land of Midian. Worked out pretty well for Moses. He met his wife there, had some kids, worked as a shepherd for uh, 40 years. But I believe God used this time in Moses' life to humble him, to bring him to a place where he was able to be used. To get him to a place where he understood that he needed God to do the work if it was going to be accomplished. There's a common theme today among uh, evangelicals and evangelical preachers telling people that they're good enough. That you can do it. You've got everything you need. You're good enough. You can do it. Well, <laughs> another thing that's really popular... People name and claim the verse, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And yes, we can do all things through Christ which strengthens us. But that verse, that verse is not talking about um, going to the gym on New Year's Day when you didn't have enough sleep because you're starting your New Year's resolution. The verse is talking about having confidence in the midst of, a, a, of affliction 
or whether you're, whether you're in a time of, of, uh, of abundance, right? We take so many people take these verses out of context. They say, no, you're good enough. Go out and do it. I mean, Joel Osteen has, has, has built this entire empire on that same message, right? But the reality is you're not good enough. The reality is you are nothing without Jesus Christ. You can't do it. John 15, 5, Jesus tells his disciples, without me, you can't do anything. And he uses this illustration of, of a branch growing out of a vine. The branch can't grow unless there's a vine feeding that branch and allowing that branch to grow. Jesus says, without me, there's nothing that you can do. We need to be reminded of that, that it's God that empowers us. It's God that walks with us. But then, lastly, this morning, God wants us to act on his calling. It's not enough to know that God is calling us to do something. We then need to act on what God is calling us to do. Acts chapter 7, verses 35 through 36. This Moses, whom they refused, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge? The same. Did God send to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel which appeared to him in the bush? He brought them out after that he had showed wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness 40 years. When God has called you and prepared you, then the time to act is now. It's time to go. It's time to move. It's time to do something. Moses hears God's calling. God has now prepared him in the desert, and now he's obeying God's calling. However, Moses gives excuses, right? And sometimes we give excuses. Well, God, I know you're calling me to do this, but I don't speak very well. That's Moses. He says, I'm slow of speech. But if we think back, to what we read earlier in the passage, that Moses was raised and learned in all of the wisdom of the Egyptians and was a man mighty in words and in deeds. It was an excuse that Moses came up with and God had an answer for it. He said, fine, Moses, I don't even need you to talk. You tell, I will give you the message. You tell that message to Aaron and then Aaron will be your mouthpiece. Aaron will speak for you. God says, I have a way around your excuses. I will work through your excuses. But ultimately, God doesn't want us to give him excuses. God wants us to be able to do the calling that he's called us to and rely on his strength and his power, no matter what we may think our disability, no matter what we may, th may think our weaknesses are. Because in our weaknesses, then he is strong, Paul says. What if I don't know what my calling is? What if I don't know what it is that God wants me to do? This is a question that comes up a lot of times with teenagers and, and young adults. I don't necessarily know what God wants me to do for the rest of my life. That's fine. I don't know what God wants me to do for the rest of my life either, right? I mean, I'm 34 years old. My life could either last, who knows how long, 60 years, 70 years, or it could end next week, right? I don't know what God wants me to do for the rest of my life. But we take it one step and one day at a time. What is God calling you to do now? 
If you're in school, God is calling you to be the best student that you can be. If you're working, God is calling you to be the best employee that you can be. If you own a business or are in a position of leadership, God is calling you to be the best leader that you can be. And we just keep doing what God has enabled us to do, resting on his strength and his power. But ultimately, God has called each and every person to share the gospel. That is every believer's calling. And it doesn't matter what job God has called you to do. It doesn't matter what career. It doesn't matter what mission God has called you to. Ultimately, each person is called to spread the gospel. Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. Jesus says, Ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. He's called each and every one of us to be witnesses, to tell what we know, to tell what God has done in our own lives, to tell about God has changed us. 1 Peter 2, 9. But ye are, ye, uh, ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And then Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Colossians 2, 13. And you, being dead in your sins, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Our job currently, our calling, is to be witnesses of what God has done in our life and to tell those around us about what God can do in their lives as well. As we come into 2024, let's be reminded, God knows you. He's, giving, he's given you gifts. He's given you a calling. He'll qualify you for your calling. He'll prepare you for it. But he expects you to act on it. There's nothing special about Moses himself, in himself, but he allowed God to use him to do great things. And God wants to do great things in and through you, but you have to understand that it's God that's going to do the work, not you, and you need to submit to his calling. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this time that you've given us. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the example of Moses. We thank you that you used this ordinary Israeli baby that was born and you took his life and you prepared him for the mission that you'd have. Lord, we're thankful that we can see his mistakes so we can learn from them. God, I pray that you challenge each and every one of us to be open to the calling that you have for us. Help us, Lord, to be together on the mission of spreading the gospel and telling others about you. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at mountgraylockbaptist.com or send us a message on Facebook. You could also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you, and our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.